They call me Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of gris-gris in my hand. Dig me tripping up and back down the bayou. I'm the last of the best, they call me the greedy man. Got many clients, come from miles around. Running down my prescription. I got medicine. Hey, 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 What's up, y'all? How we doing on a Saturday? A Saturday morning early. God damn. Uh, I feel like dog shit. I don't know why. These goddamn allergies, man. They're getting serious. That's the only downside, man, is I don't ever really get sick. But for some reason, this time of the year, as soon as that... That weather starts changing. My nose gets even more stopped up, so I'm even more of a fucking mouth breather. Whew. It's terrible. Anyway. Hey, welcome to the Po' Boys Podcast. I'm Jody B. I'm glad you came. So, this week, I got the next, the next line in the LPP squad... I got Rudy, and it's funny because me and Rudy talked for goddamn near four hours. So I'm going to have to break this up. We're going to get it in two pieces. Because I couldn't even save it as as one whole piece. So, shit. God damn it, Rudy. We talk too much. I talk, you talk, we're talkers. Shit. It's a good time, man. Um... Uh, he's a really good dude, and and it's easy to talk to somebody who's awesome. So uh, I hope I don't lose any of you guys. But we listen to a lot of different music. You know, we talk about a lot of different stuff. Oh yeah, and by the way, uh, <laughs> sometime in the future, I think the music's gonna have to curb out a little bit because I got my first episode pulled. Yeah, dang it. Who knew? Fucking Kanye West and Jay-Z. I used a song of theirs not too long ago. I didn't see that I got a message almost immediately after I posted that episode. And so they were forced to pull it down. And now I have to uh, take the song out if I want to re-upload it. I don't even know, man. That's some shit. I paid for that album. I don't understand what the problem is. But I guess I don't understand copyright laws and all that other shit. I thought that we could speak freely about something as long as uh, I'm not making any money from the show. Which I'm not. You know, I'm spending money. In fact. So. I don't see what the difference is between playing a shit on a podcast or just sitting at a red light or driving down a road with my window rolled down. Jamming fucking Kanye West to Jay-Z. But, until further notice, there's now a list of people I cannot play involved with the Universal Music Group. So, that kind of sucks, but fuck them, whatever. Out of all the music I've played, if that's the only song that got flagged, I know who to stay away from. So, fuck you, Kanye. We got problems now. Jay-Z, we're still cool, but goddamn, dude. 
Did you have to do it? Huh? Motherfucker? Eh. I know it's just legality shit. They probably didn't even know about it. <laughs> anyway. We're going to get into it. Um, I don't even know if I'm going to have a closer this week, guys. To be honest with you, I feel like shit. And uh, I'm probably going to spend what little time I have trying to get the other half of the episode kind of dusted off and put together. So, we uh, almost end on a song. (laughs) Uh, You know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm probably not going to do an outro. Uh, I may just put another quick song at the end and uh, we'll go from there. But... Without further ado, I present to you Rudy, the Rude Dog, friend of the LPP podcast. The LP- I always fuck that up. It's the LP podcast, listening party podcast. Stupid ass. And now a friend of mine, a friend of the Pub Boys podcast. So y'all kick back and enjoy. Rudy, 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 Rudy. If you got love troubles, you got a bad woman you can't control, I got just the thing for you. Something called controlling hearts and get together drops. If you work too hard and you need a little rest, try my easy life rub or put some of my balls fixed jazz in your breath. So let's. Okay. If, if it's fine the way it is now, I'll leave it the way it is. I, I have it set up where I'm just straight on my phone. I think that's been the best bet. I try to use a, a, head, a headset, uh, like wired headphones, and I guess they said it had too much feedback or too much uh, background noise when I did. Because, you know, it's meant like for you you're driving in a car and whatnot. So. Yeah, no, it's actually Because I know even even with the interview with Seaflow in the beginning, it was hard to hear him when I was in my – well, he has a deep voice as is. So when I was in my car, I was like, man, I, and then towards the end, it got a little better. The only one that was really rough was with, uh, two episodes ago with, with your buddy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, yeah. You guys are chatting about me. He, his phone was just, Dude. but you know what? That was such a, that was such a good episode to me that I actually powered through it, man. I heard the whole thing. That dude sounds, what's his name? His uh, name? Papa Wright. Yeah, Papa Wright. <laughs> yeah, man. That's my brother. I've been, I've been knowing Papa Wright. Oh, Ryan man. That, that episode was great. That's what I really enjoyed. You know, it's like I felt like even though I don't know either one of you, like I could just sit there and not have to say nothing to feel like I was in the conversation. I mean, you guys had me going. That was just, you know, that's how I felt with Seaflow. I said, man, I, need, I needed to be on that episode because, you know, I'm, I'm 42, so I'm younger than him. So like whatever he likes, I pretty much like a little more. Like I'm really into the music you're into as far as Allison Chain, Soundgarden, uh, you know, that's what that was I mean, I was in my prime when that was out. So yeah. you know, the song you played the song you played, Times of Trouble, mm-hmm. you know, I mean obviously I love Temple of the Dog, but I like Pro Jam even more. And so Eddie Vetter used that song for uh Footsteps. He used the same Very good. The same setup. I'm happy you knew that. I don't know if you know that. No, I, I did. You, I only you, found you. out recently. So congratulations. That was going to be a bonus yeah. point question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But be honest. That, that, that was my group. All right. Did you like what Eddie did with the song more? Or do you appreciate the Temple of the Dog, Time the Trouble version? For what it is. Are we saving this for the podcast? Are we talking now? Because I don't, I don't want to shoot my whole wad on it and then try to re, 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 uh, 
reenacted later on. So no, I don't know if you want me to save my thoughts for that. Or we're just we're opening the up. Is. There is no agenda here. I got some music in my playlist. <laughs> I just crack, no. Well, actually, for actually for me, I'd have to say I, I personally love what Eddie did with it. But now that we know what we know with Chris Cornell and that he's no longer here, and I can say now in hindsight, I I kind of appreciate that version more now mm-hmm. because. He's no longer here, and so hearing it got me kind of, you know, choked up. I mean, it's like you hear the song. It's like anything else. You hear songs, and they're great. Then, you know, something happens to the guy, and you, we say, oh, he was crying for help. And, you know, it, but in all actuality, they're just thinking what they're going through and the struggles uh, that we all go through. But once something happens to them and they're longer, where they're no longer here, you know, everybody says, well, he was crying for help. I don't think he was crying for help. I think it was just someone who's been through some things and, you know, is able to reach to so many people. But, uh I'd have to say after listening to it again, man, and after, you know, knowing he's no longer here, it's it's pretty rough. <laughs> I'm not going to say I, it's it, it, it's a hard choice now because Footsteps was actually one of my favorite songs by Pearl Jam because it's not on any of their regular CDs. And back in the day, I mean, I'm 42, so in my prime, you know, I used to buy bootlegs. That's how I got Footsteps. There was no yeah. there was no way to download it. I had to go to this place called Middle Earth right here in, you know, in Downey, California, and I paid 15 bucks for an imported Japanese CD, and it had footsteps on there. Footsteps and Yellow Lead Better. So, I mean, we'll I see. felt great that no, nobody had those CDs. I did, and my close-knit friends that love Pro Jam did. But, you know, then later on, you know, with, with the interweb, it's just one click away. Footsteps was a bonus track, was it not? Yeah. That was the it whole was, problem. It, it, is it footsteps, was, it, was, it was on the Jeremy uh, import. If you, if you bought the Jeremy import, uh, it, footsteps and Yellow Lead Better were on that uh, CD. I love you. And like Lead I said, it was it, it it was fifteen dollars just for the single. So it was it was like a UK single, is what it was. Yeah. Uh, and and you know I, I had the shirt and and everything. So the, I and, and that's kind of how I met Rod and Denise was because my cousin was friends with them because of Pro Jam. I guess they were all on the Pro Jam scene and what you know whatnot. And then my cousin one day introduced me to Rod and Denise. Uh, I guess maybe. Six years ago now, or maybe seven years I've known him now, and so we just hit it off right from the right from the jump, and been friends ever since. I know they're big Pearl Jam fans, so that probably went together like a hand in a glove. <laughs> I, I am, but you know what? I'm kind of like you with my music. I love Pearl Jam, and I hate to say it, I loved them 10, 15 years ago. I think they're like Dave Matthews Band now. It's like they're good, but the angst is gone, and so it's there's there's no fire there anymore. I'm not gonna say they don't make good music. But if you ask me, would I rather go see, you know, a current band or Pro Jam in concert? I'd probably go rather see a current band that's in, in their prime, in their angst. You know what I mean? Things change once you have kids and you've been through some things. You don't, you don't write. You're not as angry anymore. Yeah, you're not as hungry. <laughs> now you're more happy. You know, Eddie's a lot older. Now. Eddie's in his fifties now, so it's like, you know, I was, you know, in high school. I was eighteen, seventeen. You know, looking up to, you know, Even Flow and these songs, you know, Alive. All these songs that were just so like. Unheard. I mean, they were just so fresh at the time. The Seattle sound is what is what it was called over here. So you had Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, uh, no, Stone Temple Pilots are from San Diego. Oh yeah, well I mean, just, I'm, 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 I'm going. I'm, I'm, okay, yeah, you're they, going they were, straight. Yeah, I was going sound. grunge. You're going Seattle. Grunge. I got you. They're in that yeah, grunge, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nirvana, sorry, <laughs> uh, and, and Soundgarden. So I mean, you know, I mean, it was like I said, Temple of the Dog was my thing. The movie Singles. It's probably a sucky movie, but I loved it because. Soundgarden and members of uh, you know Pearl Jam are in that movie, and uh, 
So, but yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, brother. I'm right there with you. So that's why I, when I heard, when I heard, when I was hearing the podcast, I had texting flow. I was like, Hey man, I'm 15 minutes into your podcast and I'm digging it. And I didn't <laughs> even know he was going to have those kind words that he said about me. He said, well, you know, I think you should have Rudy on the podcast because he's more interesting than I am. I said, Hey man, those are kind words. He says, no, they're the truth. I said, no, nah, brother, <laughs> we're, we're all good dudes, man. No, and that's it, man. Just from what I've heard from y'all being on Riding Denise's show, you know, it's it's not hard to find cool people, man. You just keep your ear open, and, and it happens. So I'm glad to yeah. know you. Rudy, hey, I'm Jody B, by the way. <laughs> well, right on. Well, you know what? I tend to be. I'm not the most, but I'm one of the more energetic type of people on the podcast, on Rod's podcast. And I think the most uh, colorized character we have is probably Albert. And I, I love that dude. He's little dragon he's he's just a hoot man that guy he, I, I told him and i think i get a little too excited when i hear the podcast because you know i don't see rod every day they live you know literally i don't know 15 20 minutes away from me just to hop skip and a jump but it's just you know you don't go see them every day so with the with the magic of the podcast it's like i feel like i'm hanging out with them every other you know when they used to do it every week every other week you, you hear a fresh episode and you hear things that happen and you know they went to target and and this, that, and the other happened. Denise played an open mic, and so you kind of feel like you're constantly interacting with them. And so we'll get, we'll have a get together, and I'll bring up stuff that happened on a podcast like three months ago. And Rod's looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Yeah, when you fell down over here, remember?" And he's like, "Nah, what are you talking?" I said, "Well, you said it on the podcast." He's like, "Oh man, he's like I don't remember that." <laughs> we talk about so much stuff, but I said, "Yeah, it's just you know, it's a way for me to stay connected, you know." And that's even how we were doing the podcast. I think he asked me to be on one. Uh, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks ago. And uh, I had heard him mention your name already. And he says, oh, we have to say Mother F, Mother F and Jody B. And I was like, why do you keep saying that for? And then you had submitted the song. And uh, I say, you know, this guy sounds like he's an all right dude, man. I don't drink. You know, I, I grew up a, a church boy. So, you know, I've been a straight edge my whole life. And I'm 42, but I look like I'm in my 30s. So, you hey. know, everybody says I look a lot younger than what I really am because I've lived a good life. So uh, it sounds like you're doing you know, something I don't drink. right. I, I don't drink, but I, I told Rod, man. That that's the kind of guy you want to just hang out with and have a beer with. Even I, I mean, I'll drink you know like a Gatorade or something. He can have a you know one of them nasty uh, Rolling Rock or whatever that you know cheap nasty <laughs> Milwaukee hey, hey, beer is. <laughs> it's funny to me because you're probably just speaking generally, but uh, actually I'm drinking Bush Light. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I got three. I got. Tres cervezas lined up, and we are ready to rock and roll. This will be for, you know, however deep we get her in the beginning. I got a couple more in the fridge if I need them. Yeah. Okay, I, so, uh, you know, and you know what? I, I told Rod, because I asked him, I said, hey, how did you feel about your podcast with, uh, with Jody B? He says, man, he says, I feel like we were just too mellow, you know? And I said, yeah. I go, the difference is with C-Flow, he didn't know him, so it was like a filling out process, and it was kind of like the listeners were kind of like, you're you're finding out things about Seaflow, finding out things about yourself, and then with with you and Rod, it was kind of like just two friends chatting because I kind of know him and know you. It's kind of like, well, you know, I understood. I go, but I don't want it to be too mellow where him and I just are just having a conversation we could have had without recording. You know, I want your listeners to you know be intrigued because I mean, you you told some stories when you got shot, man. I mean that 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 thing messed me up. <laughs> I said, damn, if I thought Jody B was a bad mother ever before, now I got more respect for this dude. <laughs> Man, it's it's funny because I have issues with not talking about it, but you know, like my wife has been around me for almost 10 years now, and jokingly, sometimes 
I'll say something and it'll be like, well, because I only have four fingers. And she goes, oh, here we go with the four finger stuff again. Jesus. Yeah. Christ. yeah you know, yeah. like just what, what is it going to be, man? You know, and it's she's being sarcastic, but it's funny because like I wonder sometimes if other people would just be like, I get it, bro. You got shot. But to me, that's kind of a big deal. Like I've been, I got shot well, in the you know, face. But, I, but I, I think you can, you can kind of tell. <laughs> and I've never met anybody else you, that's been shot in the face. So it's, it's yeah. <laughs> I met a few people. I I'm can just honestly saying. tell you, for me, I, I try to be a good, uh, you know, re- read on people. And I never, I never, it never came off to me as as someone who was looking for pity or or bragging or it. It was one of those things that kind of just like, damn, this happened to me. And to me, it just makes it. I felt it added more pizzazz to your character, you know, for me, because I don't know you personally. So you want, you, you want to know something about somebody, you know what I'm saying? So when I heard that, I'm thinking this dude, you know, sound like he already had a rough life as is. And then, you know, getting kicked out of his house and his grandmother's house. And then this happens or, you know, or before, you know, when you're in your teens, I said, Matt, he's been through some things, you know, and that's what I love as far as myself. You know, I, I grew up, and, and for some pretty rough neighborhoods, you know what I mean, over here in Cali. And it's like, you know, I never got involved into the gangs, never got involved into the drugs, but I've seen some, some ugly things, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, there's struggles no matter where you go, whether you're black, white, you know, Mexican, you know, brown, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's just, it's there, it's everywhere. But, you know, at the end of the day, like your podcast last week, you know, if it's music, whatever just brings people together, you know, because I've really, really been trying to get into country, man. I, I'm trying my hardest. <laughs> I really am. Uh, don't ask me why. I just I got that itch. <laughs> well, let me. Ask I got you. that itch. No, Rod, no. Rod said he was going to lace me up with that. Uh, with that. Uh, that Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks playlist. Uh, yeah. Nicky made him. <laughs> it's funny because um, I say it's funny a lot. God dang. Um, no, that that list is a good one because I actually excluded some of the bl- like the bangers. Like Garth Brooks, all bullshit aside, has at least five songs that I would consider like. You've lived under a rock if you've never heard them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Those. Like as much as I don't, I don't listen to country. My brother and my brother's not a country fan either, but he loves that friends in low places. I mean, right. that's, that's, that's his song. He's known for that song. And that's and one of them. It was funny when you said. It was funny when you said he started singing it, and he didn't even have to finish it because the crowd just starts singing it. You know, and it's like that's that that's amazing. I mean, that that's you know, yeah, you, you have to be living under a rock if you. Say I've never heard that song, you know. Right. So yeah. right, let so, me let me know when we're recording here, so I, I can get my uh, my professional voice uh, going and whatnot. Because I don't want to just be jibber jabbing, and you know, you say, "Okay, we're ready now." We actually we've been recording for sixteen minutes. <laughs> well, that's all right. How, well, I'm that's glad how I, I do shit around here. Key. Well, that's yeah. why I tell Rod, you know what? Hey, when we do the podcast live to tape, it needs to be that way. And I'm tired of everybody trying to be PC. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't say this or edit that out. Hey, that's how you really feel. You got to say it. Listen. There's people that get on my damn nerves, and it's got to be known. Unless, Don't edit it out. Let me say their name. <laughs> uh, unless you say something really off color, and you come to me at, uh, at the end of it and go like, I doubt you it. know, maybe just, I don't cut stuff out, man. It's about real. Nah. You know? I want to hear all I, of it. I, 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 don't, I, I don't want it to be like that. I want it to be rugged, raw, and real as can be. Listen. So, but yeah, I want, I've been trying lately to get into country, man, and so I think maybe you're going to steer me into the right direction. I think so. Is there anybody that uh, has piqued your interest lately? Have you looked at anybody or heard on your serious radio or like anybody? No, no. Go, what started my interest in and wanting to get into country music was I go to Laughlin every now and again, and that's you know in Nevada. I go there for my birthday. I go. I'm going next month actually. I go with my mom. She goes every 
three months, you know. And we don't, we're not heavy gamblers. We just go to the casinos, you know, kind of just check out the river walk right there. But there's a restaurant, the Saltgrass uh, restaurant right there. And uh, it, I guess it's, it's a Houston-based restaurant. And it's, I mean, it's got that Texas feel as soon as you walk in. You know, it's got the, the horns, you know, and it's got, you know, all the Texas pictures up in there. And, and, and they always play that kind of contemporary country. Yeah. And not so much the poppy stuff, but it's like right before it started getting real poppy. And when you walk in there, you know, I mean, obviously, I love Kenny Rogers. I love Willie Nelson, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, it, it's a little more newer than that. But I, I just feel so, if I wasn't born here in Cali, I wish I was born in Texas. I'm Obviously, I'm a huge Dallas Cowboys fan, so I'm not saying that's why I would want to live in Texas because the Cowboys play there. But I'm just saying my family comes from Texas. So if I wasn't born here, I wish I grew up a cowboy. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, just... Wearing the Wrangler jeans, the boots, and you know, doing the whole, the whole, the whole nine. Man, 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 man. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Man. How that's gonna play into me loving uh, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and and uh, Temple of the Dog? I don't know, <laughs> but it just does. Uh, man, I really I... just like people. Just like people said, I, I myself, I have a huge, huge, huge variety of the music that I like. I mean, if you were to look at my iPod or look at my iPhone, you'd, be, you'd probably think, what, what the hell kind of mix is that? That's How do you favorite. have Metallica right next to Miley Cyrus? I don't know. I just do. It just happens. <laughs> There's certain songs I got to play with the windows rolled all the way up, and then some when I have Tupac, then I roll the windows all the way down. But uh, I have the most funkiest mix on my phone. I really don't care. It's what I like. I like, you know, pop hits. I like dark hits i like the screaming bands i like you know you name it and you know even now now that i'm 42 i go to concerts these kids are getting younger and younger i'm older than the parents that are taking their kids to the show and i'm sitting there you know going to see pierce the veil going to see you know sleeping with sirens and all these younger bands and it's like (laughs) it's so funny now to you know just look back like man like you know i'm older than the parents that are here man i've i've almost checked out on the music now like it's so I don't have to worry about looking unfashionable. Like if I catch a song on the newer country station, I'll listen to it, but I really can't get down to it. Like a lot of it is just, I go for either the Americana, uh, genre, which is that nineties contemporary stuff, or I go yeah. for just straight up like the nineties hits because I know them, you know, front to back. That's yeah. I've always liked memorizing songs and I kind of like to sing, so it's like I'll memorize a song. I'll listen to it over and over and over and over and over, you know. And so I know funny songs. I know drinking songs. I know church song. You know churchy song. I know songs about uh, getting drunk and getting into a fight with your wife. I know songs about uh, running people over. So you know, like it's there's there's a country song about anything. Yeah, yeah. And to definitely. me, they're all stories in my head. Like when I memorize a song, I think about it like, and that's how I decide what's a good song, what's a bad song. In my opinion, it's if I can read it or I can listen to a song, and in my brain, I can actually paint that narrative like a music video. That's yeah. how I remember songs. You know what I mean? Like little yeah. movies. So some of my yeah. favorite songs are just some of the best movies in my head. You know, when I hear it, I go, yeah. "That's pretty cool. I like that." I feel the same way. I feel certain songs in general. I, I've been a huge music lover my whole life, and I feel I was blessed. Like I said, I'm I'm 42 years old, so my dad had me. He was young. He was 17. So I mean, when when I was a kid, he was listening to the prime of classic rock. I mean, he had Peter Frampton, the Eagles, 
uh, you know, all, all the heavy hitters. And so I grew up listening to that and yet still young enough, you know, I grew up in the eighties and I love eighties music, you know, the one hit wonders with, with the big puffy hair and this, oh, yeah. that and the other. And then, you know, then obviously, you know, I'm in high school during the nineties and that's when grunge came out, you know? And so I feel I have, a, that's pretty much where my music stopped. I got married in the year 2000. Uh, yeah. 2000, I believe I got married. And I don't say your life ends, but you know, I just, my priorities were a little more different. I got married. My ex-wife had all four kids already. That's not for everybody. It was for me. It worked for me. The the kids were never a problem. Everybody asked, why did you do it? How could you do it? Uh, You can't help who you fall for. And the kids were never, never an issue. I think we stood married as long as we did because of the kids, because, you know, two boys, two girls, and you got an argument, you take the girls, I'll take the boys. And, you know, seven years, it lasted until, you know, she, she doesn't want to be married anymore. And so that's fine. I had to start all over again. But, um, you know, my priorities changed, and, and I really was into Disney movies and, you know, whatever the kids wanted to do. And it just, it, it was never like I felt robbed. I just, I didn't care for music that much anymore. Even, you know, so the CDs I had were pretty much stopped right around that time. You know, there were bands that I just, just went right, right past me because I just wasn't listening to the, to the radio as much as I used to. It was just, you know, I worked a few miles from home. I'd come home and we'd fire up the cartoons or, or go play outside or do whatever we wanted with the kids. And, you know, so now it's just, you know, you, you, your, your style kind of changes with, with, depending on what you're going through. And, uh, but, you know, the span that I grew up with, I mean, like you said, it's kind of like movies and memories in my head. There's certain songs, they may not be the greatest songs, but to me, they have deep meaning because, you know, it reminds me of, you know, the struggles I went through as a kid. My parents got divorced when I was at a young age. I was eight years old when they got divorced. My younger brother was six. My youngest brother was three. Uh, no, he was, uh, two yeah he was two years old so you know we've been through some rough times as well and um you know just certain songs man just really really hit home you know uh like i said i see my mom listening to those country songs and she was kind of going through her things you know you know (laughs) makes those lyrics hit home with just a little much more harder and i was i was really fortunate because we got to see kenny rogers in concert uh last year it was supposed to be his farewell concert it said the gambler's last ride but you know they lied they brought it back again this year but he, it was horrible but i really wanted to see him in concert because for me it was like one of those bucket list type deals and i don't have a bucket list you know i can die tomorrow and be happy that I, I lived a good life but i told my mom it's my dream to see kenny rogers with you because it, it means so much to me and she was like i think it means more to you than it means to me i said well there's just certain songs just you know hearing coward of the county hearing you know that's what uh, I was decorated my you. life. Certain these songs that make me cry. Think about my mom, you know. So, uh, and not so much she was a coward, but I'm saying just the lyrics in the song make you, you know, think about things you you went through. And um, I, we, I felt bad for the guy, man. He could barely sing. I think he's what 76 now. It took him about two minutes just to walk to the stage. He was taking baby steps, and you know, everybody was just gracious because the guy just can't sing anymore, you know. <laughs> but people were there just rooting him on, man, and just the love that people had for him, you know. We. Everybody was gracious. Nobody booed. But, you know, I'm glad I didn't pay for the concert. We, we got comped. It was a free concert because we were staying at the hotel. But, I mean, you know, it, uh, it, was, it was just a fantastic time for me. Like you said, it's the memories. And I just really sat back. You know, there's a time to be on your phone. There's a time to put your phone away. I, I didn't record anything. I just sat there looking at my mom, listening to him sing. You know, and it, to me, I don't think I need to watch that on my phone. I'm glad that I was able to witness that and put my phone away. It's sad. I, I went to a concert 
<laughs> and and someone that I know, they took their phone and they were recording this, that, and the other. And they said, hey, when is Pro Jam going to do this song? I said, brother, they did that song four songs ago. He you said, oh, it. well, <laughs> I, I, at least I recorded it. I said, well, but you don't remember it. I was throwing my hands in the air. I was shouting along when they're singing Jeremy. And, and you've got to look back at your phone and, and, and think about if you had a good time watching it. You know, you got to live a little. And kind of there's a time and place for, for electronics. There's a time to just live with who you're with right now, you know? That's what's up, man. You got to be in the moment. And I think that is something that's lost on a lot of people nowadays. Like them phones are addictive, you know? You whip them out and they are. you're just you're off in your own little world. Hey, uh, yeah. hey, I got something for you here cuz it's funny uh, you brought it up and uh man, it's such a great song. A lot of people don't understand cuz they don't play the song a lot on the radio, but here, let's just get a taste. <laughs> me back everyone considered him the coward of the county yeah he'd never yeah, stood a one single time to prove the county wrong his mama named him Tommy the folks just called him yellow something always told me they were reading Tommy wrong Tommy he was only 10 years old when his daddy died in prison. Yup. I looked after Tommy because he was my brother's son. Woo! I still recall the final words my brother said to Tommy. Son, my life is over, but yours has just begun. Cold-blooded. Promise me, son, not to do it. Yeah, see, that part always reminds me of my mom right there. Walk away from trouble if you can. It won't mean you're weak if you turn the other cheek. I hope you're old enough to understand. Son, you don't have to fight to be a man. There's some classic kid. Oh, definitely, oh definitely. Great, great, great stuff right there. A lot of people yeah, so only he, know about the game. He, he did a lot of those songs. Uh, he did a medley. You know, I think it's harder for him to, to belch out those songs, so he, he did a medley of a lot of those songs, and uh, it was it was really good. It was a really, really good time. What were you saying? Oh, I cut you off. No, I was saying, like, a lot of people, I think, only know Kenny Rogers for The Gambler and Islands in the Stream. Maybe <laughs> You know what? Uh, to be honest with you, those are my two least favorite songs. Yeah. I, I, obviously, but... yeah, I, I do like them, but... I can go without hearing those songs. My favorite song, my all-time favorite song, would probably have to be "Through the Years." Mm-hmm. You've decorated my life, "Coward of the County," uh, "Lady." Uh, Lady, oh, that's a cold oh, song, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it is. I mean, so like I said, to me, my dad wasn't in the country with it. My mom was, and she heard Willie Nelson. And then there's, you know, you. them being separated and, and getting divorced. You know, for me at a young age, you know. They did their best, but you kind of get torn in the middle, and you know you kind of take your mom's side, you take your dad's side, and I just you know as a kid just trying to figure stuff out, you know I, I wanted just to, I didn't want to take anybody's side, and so there were some things that I was able to you know to, to music kind of helped us out a lot. My dad used to hear a lot of music when we were kind of going through things. Um, my, my parents got divorced. My mom actually did something that was unheard of. She actually let my dad raise the three boys instead of 
her taking them, you know, and she made that, that sacrifice. And to this day, I'll forever be indebted to her, you know, and I asked her, you know, it's not really common. Usually the kids go with the mom and, and the dad comes every other week. And she just said, you know, I knew you guys were so close to your dad and he would know how to raise you more than I would. And it wasn't that she gave us up. She just had the, the, the knowledge to surrender, you know, us to him. And, you know, for me, it was the greatest thing because we grew up, you know, with, with our dad raising us and, you know, I mean, he used to hit us hard with the belt when we got out of line. And so we grew up, you know, pretty much with, with, with the level head and we'd see our mom, you know, every other weekend. And, uh, you know, to this day, we had a good relationship with both of them. That's good, man. I mean, it's uh, it sucks that, you know, they split up. I mean, I'm of the mindset now when it comes to, like, marriage is a funny thing. It's It's really nothing more than just a piece of paper. You know, some people were just together forever and they just have to get, it's like, guys, you don't have to get married. If you just enjoy being around each other, just do that. You know, it's marriage is a funny thing because it's legal. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> there's, there's connotations to it and it makes shit kind of yeah. awkward, especially yeah. when you're just you and somebody else, then you start throwing kids in there too. And it just, it can get really ugly yeah. really fast. Yeah. Well, my, my take on it is, I feel it's not for me to dictate whether someone should or shouldn't get married. You know what I'm saying? If it, if it is working, that's fine for you. However, I do feel that there is a level of dignity that is brought to the woman when, when a man does ask her to marry him. Not, and not out of obligation or because, you know, hey, I knocked her up and I have to. But I, I just feel for me, I have more respect for a man who puts, who marries a woman than for somebody who says, I'm saying, and what I mean by that is for somebody who's working the same job that I'm doing, and I see the guy day in and day out, and he says, I'm going home to my wife, but I know that's not really his wife. When I was married and I was going through what I was going through, just, you know, I was faithful. I never stepped out. I never cheated. I worked hard, didn't care if I had the newest shoes or newest shirt, as long as the kids and my wife was happy. And to me, I felt when I wore my wedding ring that that, that meant something to me. And again, you can say, well, it was just a piece of paper, but that piece of paper for me was legal binding and, and, I, and I took it as such, you know, and that's just me. I, I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody. I just didn't feel when somebody would say, I'm going home to my wife, I would tell them, bro, that's not your wife. That's your girlfriend. That's yeah. your girl. And if you really loved her as much as you did, you'd make an honest woman out of her. Oh, well, you're living in the past and you're living in this and that. Well, if we look to the past in the twenties and thirties, forties and fifties, there's couples that are married 70 years. Now we live in a generation where, it's okay to be married two, five, three, four, five years, and you've been married forever, and you get divorced, so what? So, again, you know, I feel what you're saying is correct. There is a way to look at it that says, hey, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I also feel in the same manner that there is a level uh, of respect and dignity that comes along with making that decision. And, uh, and on both ends, you know what I'm saying? People thought for me, ah, uh, well, who doesn't want, you know, your wife would have married anybody because, you know, she just wanted somebody to raise those kids. And I say, I beg to differ. She already had four kids. I don't think she wanted a fifth one. I, I said, I called myself qualified to be able to step into that role to raise four. You're talking to a guy who never had any of his own kids getting married at 24, asking to raise four kids of his own, uh, that weren't even his. So for me, I, call, I, I counted myself fortunate. I counted myself, you know what, I, I, I'm honored that she would think that of me. And, and in the end, like I said, it, the kids were never the problem. Right. You know, she just, her and I just couldn't get along. I'm not going to put all the blame on her. She's not here to defend herself. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I got to put blame on myself as well. It takes two to tangle. It took two to argue. And so 
at the end of the day, we just couldn't get along. But even even after I was out of the house for over a year, I used to drive 30 miles to pick up the boys and bring them here every other weekend faithfully. They were not my blood. I, I had did not have to pay child support. Uh, you know, they had a dad who was around. He just wasn't in the picture. Um, and, and nobody obligated. I was never told I had to do that. I had family telling me that I was wrong for doing that. And you know what? You're just uh, delaying the inevitable. You just don't want to let go. I said, no, the kids didn't ask for the divorce. You know, they accepted me as one of their own for seven years. And I'm just trying to be gracious. I, I don't have a handbook on how you're supposed to be married and divorced. It's the first time I'm going through, through both. And I'm just going to do what's right for me. So at the end of the day, I can put my head down on my pillow and say, you know what? I did what I felt was best. And if, and at the end, if she burns me and she laughed at me and the kids never thanked me, that's fine. I did what I had to do to become a better man because I was a bitter man. Uh, you, you know, when we first got divorced, it, it really, really, you know, took its toll on me. And, and it's just two little syllables that I tell everybody, you know, you got two little vowels there where I was bitter for a long time and I blamed her and I blamed her. But, you know, if you want to grow, you got to take a look in the mirror and you'll always be your harshest critic. And I said, well, really, yeah. What did you do that was wrong? You couldn't, you can hold your wife and you know, you could, you couldn't make her happy to, to want to stay married. And so, you know, you, you, you got to kind of slap yourself in the face and kind of wake up and say, okay, now it's time to be better. And so, and I, and I feel that I'm the good person that I am now because of the hardships that I've been through. That's why I really admire and honor what you've been through. And you know, it's to me, it's not something to brag about. It's not something to, 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 for someone to feel sorry for you, but you've been through some crappy stuff, man. And yet you still have you still have the uh, the the energy to be able to call a podcast like the LPT and sing these songs and bring joy to you know the, the small group of listeners that they have. But you know, and I'm like, oh, this guy sounds like he doesn't have a, a worry in the world. Then I hear your story, and I'm like, my goodness, <laughs> I'm surprised the guy even you know does anything. Because if I would have got shot, the worst thing that happened to me, I hit myself in the mouth with a hammer trying to fix my car, and like a dummy, I missed the, the fender, hit my tooth, and. $800 later, I realized that's something I'll never do again. But, I mean, oh, you know, you've been, through some, some, you've been through some heavy stuff, brother. You hit yourself in the tooth with a hammer, bro? You know, I had a 73 Camaro. That was my first car. Uh-huh. I got hit, and the fender was on top of the tire. Yeah. Uh, I had a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend at the time, and, you know, I, she was getting out of work. She worked for J.C. Penny at the time. And I was like, I'll be there. Don't. And she's like, I know you got an erect. Don't worry about it. No, I'll be there. She lived in a rough neighborhood, in, like near South Central. I was like, no, I don't want you taking the bus. I'll pick you up. And I'm hitting the fender. My dad says, that's good. And I took it for a drive around the block. It was still scraping a little bit. I said, nah, Bob, just a few more hits. He goes, nah, Rudy, just leave it alone. I took a swing as hard as I could. Missed the fender completely and just hit myself in the mouth with the hammer and just shattered my tooth. <laughs> and I hit it so hard that oh. at the perfect at the perfect position where my mouth was open, I don't I, I didn't hit my lip, only my tooth, and I only cracked the front. It was still hanging on in the back, so I didn't want to pull it because I didn't know if it would even come off. So it was awkward for you know however many hours it was. So I had to go to the dentist the next day, and they said you know there's nothing we can do. We got to yank it and, and put a false tooth. There. It was a it was a process about four months. They put a a little, uh, you know, steak on my, uh, looked like a vampire. They put like a steak where, where the tooth was at. And then they put a porcelain, you know, $800 tooth. Well, it was more than $800. That's what I had to pay after yeah. insurance and everything. But, uh, so yeah, I've had a false tooth for, uh, 
20 plus years now. That's gangster shit, Rudy. <laughs> it was it, no, it was really gangster when I could take it off and on before they had put the cement on there. They put yeah, a temporary yeah. one there for cosmetically to kind of you know, and even that you know, I mean, I can't imagine you getting shot in the face and but and losing your finger. I mean, for me, it was hard to eat again because I, I went without a tooth for about a month and a half, and then they put a you know the whatever the the post is there. Yeah. Then they put the you know the the temporary tooth and. It felt like I had five extra teeth in my mouth. I, I, I it was hard to eat. I, I was, I, I was like, it's so uncomfortable. I would take the tooth off. I was, like, I can't eat with this thing. And you know, it, it took some getting used to. I mean, obviously, I didn't lose much weight over it. I'm, I've always been a, a hefty guy my whole life, but it was, it was really, you know. And that was just a tooth. I can't imagine losing a finger or you know something happening to my face, you know. Uh, but uh, that's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. I tell you what. I've been I've been rather rotund most of my life. I think until I was probably nine or ten, I was uh, I was just average build. You know what I mean? And then right around mm-hmm. there, I think we started eating kind of just not great. You know, like carbs and Kool Aid and stuff. Just not stuff you you should probably be eating more than once or twice a day. And then we would eat the stuff for days on end. And so, you know, my early teenage years, I was pretty chunky. And, uh, yeah. you know, I know what it's like to be that guy for the most part. It's not, it's not fun. It just kind of is what it is, you know? Um, yeah. I'm glad it finally went away. But to be honest with you, I had to hit my growth spurt, which was right around the time that my accident happened before I actually started losing weight. To be that, honest, you were what, 16 when that I happened? I was 16, and it was, I remember the, so here's the deal. The day that I that my accident happened, it was uh, a Saturday, which was the opening day of the hunting season for that, that particular year. It's in November, you know, so that's when deer season opens up for okay. using guns instead of just bows and arrows or muzzleloader guns. Is when you can start using regular-ass guns, this was the first day. So the day before, we had had a, a football game, you know, and I remember it very well. Like, I didn't get to play a lot because I was just kind of the pudgy kid, but I would never quit. So I played football for a long time. I wasn't great. I just was always on the team because yeah. I wouldn't quit. <laughs> and the day before my accident, we went and we stomped the shit out of this team. Like, we just, dude, we was we hadn't had a road game like that in a while. We just showed up and started just whipping ass. And so by the end of the game, I actually got to play. I did good. You know, I had a couple little uh, – I played O-line, so had a couple good blocks, you know, pushed a couple dudes, yeah. blew them out and shit. So, I mean, it was a good time. And, uh, you know, football was one of those things that I think actually helped me. If I wouldn't have been playing sports, man, I, I probably would have been a lot bigger. But yeah. I, I finally got taller – when I hit about 16. And so I was about 245. I'm six, I'm six foot now. I'd say I was probably five, eight before I hit my growth spurt and about 245. So I was like, if I'd have been three inches shorter, bro, I'd have been a perfect circle. Like I was working yeah. on that. You know what I'm saying? I like, Literally, huh? I'd have looked like fucking Pac-Man. But, uh, so my accident happened. I was 245. I just hit my growth spurt. And, I, you know, I was only in the hospital for a week after the shit happened. And for three, four days, I was eating through a tube in my nose. So that, that'll make you drop weight pretty quick. But I mean, even after I remember like different meals that I tried to eat and trying to learn how to eat shit again, 
because my jaw was so jacked up that I could only open it probably half an inch. Oh, man. So I remember like one of the first meals I had when I finally got home was like deer meat shredded up like with gravy on it. And like I couldn't yeah. actually chew the, the meat up and swallow it like I would try and I just couldn't even open my teeth really enough to to, to chew meat, you know. So I, I remember that I was taking medications with like juices and shit like that. That was pretty easy. But as far as heart, like solid food went, dude, there wasn't a lot of it. I had mashed potatoes and that kind of, I remember Taco Bell. I did do Taco Bell burritos. That was the one thing that, you know how you get a burrito and like, I would rip the end of it off and then squeeze up like the beans and shit yeah. to the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I would yeah. like, I, I would like suck the beans off. And then after I would empty like a quarter of the burrito, then I could just kind of gnaw like the little used up tortilla shit off the edges. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it worked out pretty good, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. I had to figure out how to eat again, like you were saying, but I dropped down to like 185 over that whole process. Ooh, wow, wow. Yeah, it Yeah, see, I nuts. was the opposite. I, I'm only 5'3". Uh, so growing up, I was, I don't, I don't really think I was too hefty growing up. And then, right, you know, you, you kind of, you're 5'3", I was dark uh, growing up here, you know, really, really dark and often confused as, are you black? You know, <laughs> my dad's super dark, has the nappy hair. And so, you know, people see me, you know, I was just a kid always in the sun and they, they you know, they'd call me, you know, uh, you know, names that weren't too polite, you know. And so growing up, you know, I, honestly, when I was growing up, I, I was called, you know, names that weren't too nice very often where I really didn't even care for, for my own race because if you're going to look at me as, as I'm a certain way and there's something wrong with me because I'm as dark as I am, then, you know, and, and as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to call me a nigger, I'm going to call you a wetback then because that's how you want to play. I don't, don't talk to me like that. You know, I don't, I don't use those words. And if you're going to use that with me, that's the way I'm going to look at you. And so, you know, it was kind of a, a thing for me with being young, being small, you know, being, being really dark and, you know, being called that by my own race. It was, it was pretty offensive to me. You know what I'm saying? And, so I guess when I was in the 11th grade, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm tired of getting, you know, not picked on, but, you know, I need to do something. So I started hitting the weights. And that was just the, the lifesaver for me because I went from one summer to, you know, kind of just wearing a medium to a large. So now I'm fitting, you know, feeling the extra large. And, you know, even some of the, the teachers started asking me, are you taking steroids? I said, no. I said, I'm just, you know, you got a lot of, you know, just you're tired of getting picked on you. And, you know, and, and again, working out doesn't mean you know how to fight. It's just like seeing a big dog. You just you're afraid of the bite. He probably never bites you, but he barks loud enough. You just you don't even, you don't want to mess with it. And so it was never that I was a fighter or or lifting weights means you're tough. It's just guys just they kind of look at you like I think his punches are gonna hurt a lot more than the sloppy kid he used to be. No, you know, that's, and that's and that's all it was. That's it was just a deterrent. It was never you know I've seen a lot of big guys get knocked out, but I'm just saying. So for me, that was a lifesaver for me, and it kind of carried on through you know through my high school years. Yeah. Well, that's when it happened, I should say, 11th grade. Then it carried on, you know, later on in life. And now, you know, I've kind of just, with work, you kind of just slowly let yourself go, you know. But I have a little bit of mass on me, nothing nothing major, just, you know. But uh, every now and again, I, I do go, I have a you know full gym. I go downstairs uh, in my apartment right here, and I just, you know, my own home gym, and I just hit the weights whenever I can. But um, so that was a lifesaver for me because being as short as I am, I mean, it's funny, I'm 5'3". I'll walk, you know, late night to the liquor store. And, you know, these cholos are out there and, hey, big homie, you know, they say that because they, they see a thick guy walking, you know. I mean, I'm stretching that 
extra large shirt to the limit. You know what I mean? That's and it. so they, they, they don't say, hey, little man, hey, hey big yeah. homie. They're like twice my size. But, you know, they just think, you know, this guy's a tough guy because, you know, he looks kind of swole. So. He looks like he's been doing <laughs> it's fucking funny push-ups for a day and a half. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, yeah. Uh, so it, 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 it's funny. Rudy, uh, check this out. Um, I think my kid might have just woke up. All right, we're back. Domino's Pizza, would you like to place an order, motherfucker? <laughs> we call right you, on, you don't right call on. us. Sorry, man. No, not a problem. I, I was just, I mean, that, that episode you did with Rod and Denise was, man, almost three hours. So I, I was just trying to finish that one. It was funny because we hung up, and I, I was listening to that podcast prior to answering your phone call. So as soon as I hung up, it went back to playing, and I thought I didn't hang up. I pushed the end button. I said, all right, I'll talk to you later. Then I hear your voice come out. I said, what the heck? What's going on here? Then I hear Rod's voice. Oh, wait a minute. I'm listening to the podcast on my phone. You had a momentary, just a, a brain lapse and everything came together. And you were like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, this kid, man. We're back on now. Yeah, we're good. I'm sorry. He, um, he, sometimes he'll go down like a champ. Like, it's no problem. Uh -huh. He'll take his stuff. He'll go almost put himself to bed. But then sometimes he gets so worn out that he just catches an attitude and he starts just kicking and fidgeting and shit. Like, he'll lay back there and just just fiddle with shit. And it keeps How old is he? He's almost two. Okay. And it, uh, it keeps him awake. It's annoying. Yeah. Like he'll sit back there and he'll just fiddle with stuff until, you know, he either stands up because he gets bored or you just give up and you're like, whatever, you're not going to sleep yet. <laughs> it's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I might edit it out. I don't know because a lot of shit happened just then. Like it took him a few minutes to finally go to sleep. I put him to sleep. I walked through my kitchen and I will be. God damned if there wasn't a giant cockroach sitting on my counter. I had to kill his ass. <laughs> and then I come in here, I sit down at the computer, and I'm getting ready to press play and, and call you back because I feel, Rudy, I feel bad <laughs> that I've left you hanging so long. And I look down at my hand, and I'm bleeding. I said, what the, f what the hell is going on here? So it's been an interesting last 20 minutes. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> but I think we got That's it. That's all right. That's I all think right. we're good now. We can we can get back into it. We can talk about the same shit. We can talk about new shit. I think when we left off, we were talking about how fortunately nature had dealt us a, a hand that made it to where folks didn't seem to want to tangle that much, which was kind of nice. You know, I, I'm yeah. six foot tall. I'm like 220. I'm just big enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm just big enough that yeah. people will leave me alone because I look like I might punch you hard enough. You know what I mean? I've gotten into a <laughs> scuffle or two, and I'm not going to say that I haven't been exposed to, to very violent people in my lifetime. So, I mean, if you want a dose, I can tune you up, but I know what that comes along with. And now with having the surgery to my head, I have to really contemplate getting into a fist fight with another grown man because at the end of the day, yeah, there's titanium and screws in there, but all that really does is make my jaw just a little easier to break. So if somebody were to punch yeah. me, I really don't know what would happen. I might, I might lose it 
and and really stab somebody over that because of all the time and the the holidays and the birthdays and the the money and the surgery and all the time that went into putting that back together i might actually snap if somebody were yeah. to break that so i try not to tangle too much with folks anymore it's not worth it you know i'm getting old <laughs> you're how old 30 i'm 30 <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got yeah, I've talked to a, a several friends and they'll tell me a story of this, that, and the other. And then they say, man, I, I'm old. How old are you? They say, well, I'm 30. I said, well, I'm 40. They said, almost every party I go to or get together, not so much parties, but, you know, get together, gathering. I went to one uh, three weeks ago and this guy's talking and he said he's getting old. And I think he said he was 25. And I said, well, I'm 42. And he says, you're lying. He calls his girlfriend. He says, how does this guy look? She says, I don't know, like 26. I showed him my license. He goes, I think that's fake. I go, well, why would I get a license? I can understand if I'm a kid that wants to say 21. Why would I want a fake license that says I'm 42 if I'm really younger? That's so funny. <laughs> he goes, oh, man, I don't know. I don't I don't know what you've done with yourself. You look so young. I said, well, I don't know what it is. I'm short. You know, I got the chubby cheeks and maybe got the baby face. Who knows? But, that's, uh, that's what but you know what? I, what we were talking about earlier, and I kind of want to touch on that is uh, the things you went through, and I feel the hardships I went through, what I really like about your kind of outlook from what I can you know, pick up from on the podcast is I, I don't get that misery loves company. I don't get that woe is me, pity party. And, I, and I'm kind of the same way. I've been through a lot of things, been dealt a lot of difficult cards in my life. And, and through it, you know, at the time, obviously, yeah, it hurt, and it was you know horrible, but I, I really feel it, it's made me appreciate what I have now, and it, it's helped me to to become more understanding and just to be there more for people. And you know, like you said, and I think too, I don't know what show it was that you did, and maybe it was one of the Sea Flow. And you said, uh, you know, you tell people what you've been through, and then they say, "Well, I had a rough day at work." And you're like, really? That that's really what you're going to complain about? Like you've had it that rough because you're at work for eight hours and standing up for eight hours, you know? And I feel the same way. I, I see people all the time crying about this and crying about that. You know, I've had, a, I think some kid told me one time he was tired because he had to work seven hours one day. Yeah. I said, seven hours? I worked 12 hours, <laughs> six days a week. Who are you telling? You better tell somebody. And I said, you're young, brother. You better toughen up, man, because you're not going to make it in this world. But, you know, I feel everything I've been through, and I can kind of get the same vibe off of you. That's why I was really excited about coming to this show, just to kind of, mesh with you you know and again i'm not saying we're gonna agree 100 percent on any issue but i'm the type of person i really don't even like to argue with people i i, I respect when somebody has a different opinion about something i can appreciate it and if i don't agree with it i just move on you know there's some people they feel they just need to always be right or, or whatever the case may be you know and especially now like i said that's why i like unedited stuff because just be real with yourself you know you don't have to like everything you don't have to like this that you know what everybody else likes and i want to say the right thing no, i want to be honest with you you're going to ask me yeah. and, and i tell people that all the time don't ask me to be honest with you and then when i tell you you get mad at me like you know again <laughs> i'm not trying to make this a political thing at all yeah. but i've had people all the time tell me how they hate you know our president they hate this they hate that and then they'll ask me well who did you vote for and i tell them and they get mad i said well i can vote for who i want to yeah. well you, I mean, I mean, you know you're not supposed to do that it's my vote. Yeah, I can do it. I, don't, you know, I can do whatever I want. You know, just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean that that I, I can't do what I want. And if you don't want to 
you know, be my friend, and you want to tell, put on your Facebook out, well, if you voted for Trump, unfriend me now. Well, then I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, man. You know, so I just feel in general, people just need to be honest with, them, with, them, with themselves. It's weird because it feels like somewhere along the way, it, it became okay to shit on somebody for having an opinion. You know, it's everybody yeah. has an opinion now, and everybody wants to be heard, but it seems like what you don't understand is the reciprocal of that is, would I get to have one too, and you have to listen to what the fuck I say. You don't have to listen, yeah. but you have to respect the fact that if it's something I put my, my brain into and how I feel about something, it's just as valid as you. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah. all the time that you're right or I'm right. It just is what it is, man. Yeah. Definitely. We're Definitely. looking at it's, the it's same thing. You know, it, it's, ama- it's amazing to me how people get so hurt. They think if you don't agree with them, that you hate them. And I'm like, I never said that. You know what I mean? It's like I, people can say, do you like country music? No, I don't. Well, why, why not? My goodness. You know, are, are you that much of a, of a gangster that you can't listen? Well, I'm not a gangster. I just, just don't care for that. You know, it's just people get so offended right away if, 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 if you don't endorse what they're doing. It's like to me, I, you know, I know you've talked about it on, on your previous episodes you know you're not really a religious man i grew up in the church i'm not saying because that's all i know that that's i'm brainwashed but i I myself i'm a christian i consider myself a man of god you know but i don't push that down my friend's throats i mean you can talk to every friend that i have and they all know that i'm saved they all know because of the way i live my life but what they always say and what i always like what they say they never tell me i hear it from other people you know this guy pretty much lives his life as a reflection of his faith, and he doesn't have to tell you, I'm a Christian, and if you don't agree with me, and if you don't, you know, click like on my devotional post, you know, I can't be your friend. Right. You know, I have friends that are atheists. I have friends that are homosexuals. I have friends that are, you know, uh, <laughs> I had a friend who was pretty much everything anti-Christ, and the poor guy puts on his Facebook one day how he was at work, didn't have money to eat. And uh, I had his personal cell phone number, so I hit him up. I said, hey, man, I read your, your, your post, and I don't really want people to know what I'm going to do for you, but if you need help, brother, I'll take you food. And he was, you know, felt ashamed. He says, oh, man, you know, if you could, you know, I'd appreciate a burger. And so, you know, he he right here in the same city I, I live in. So I took it to him, and I said, look, man, I'm a hefty guy, and and a, and if a burger doesn't get me full, I need a double. So I bought you a double. That's what I was going to say. You should have brought in two burgers. I I didn't want to ask for a double, but I really wanted one. I said, okay. And I said, you know what? I know you're working graveyard. I got a monster in my truck. If you want it, he says, oh, man, I didn't even sleep today, man. Please, if you could give me that monster. I said, okay, here you go. And I said, look, I'm not here to preach to you, and and, and my food and my help doesn't come with with any, you know, uh, any cost or any, you know, hidden agenda. Like I told him. Just know at the end of the day, I do what I do because of, of the God that I serve. And, and you don't have to believe what I believe. And he says, no, you know what, man? I, I've always appreciated your honesty and your friendship. And uh, he went and wrote this big old long post about me and praising me. And I told him, I didn't want I didn't want the praise. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I called your cell phone. I didn't want you to. to but he says, no, nah, man, you know, people just need to know the type of person you are. And, and you're a solid dude in my book. And, you know, if you ever need me, I'll be there for you. And it, and it made me feel good. And again, you know. I, I didn't tell him, well, you need to stop saying that, you know, you love Lucifer. You know, he has 666 on his, on his, you know, bio or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> on his profile. But it doesn't bother me. Like I told him, you're just a person, you know, who needed help. And, and, and just because you don't agree with me doesn't mean I don't like you and I don't care for you, you know. So 
And I, and I think that translates into a lot of things. I, I feel bad even with sports. You know, I'm a big sports guy, but I cannot stand going to a stadium and people want to fight over a team that you have you have no input into that. I don't play <laughs> on that team. And the, the own players, our own players after the game are shaking hands and people in the parking lot want to get in fights because, you know, you're oh. not a Dodgers fan. You're not an Angels fan. You're not a Laker fan. You're not a, you know, a Kings yeah. fan. Yeah. You're not, you know, a Ducks fan. Like, we're going to throw blows over what? Shit. They're in there, you know, shaking hands, going out to party afterwards, and we're here fighting over, you know, my team. So you're out there and fucking this world is kind of messed up. <laughs> out there, I, I've heard shit gets wound up at them Raider games. <laughs> People get windshields smashed <laughs> in and shit. Well, you know, thank thank God Oakland is from here. That that's that's Northern Cali, so mm-hmm. I think eight, eight hours away from from here. So Man. you know, that's that's the one thing that. Uh, they're the only team, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Raider fans, probably 90% of my family. They're the only team that I know that their fans will literally, you know, want to talk smack to you. And you don't even have to say nothing. Like, Why are you a Dallas fan? Were you born in Texas? No. <laughs> I don't need to explain myself to anybody. You know, they're the only team that I've had a lot of run-ins with. And it's just, it's funny to me. I'm like, look, man, it's, I don't play for them. Neither do you just keep, keep walking, bro. Right. Why? But, uh, yeah, you know what? It, uh, it's funny for me that I've been fortunate, really been blessed to uh, have friends from all different aspects. I mean, I know nothing about NASCAR yet. I have friends who that's, they watch, that's what they like, and I'll find my way somehow to, to just, you know, maneuver my way into the conversation. I'll pick up a thing here or there. And so I've had friends just from, you know, all over the place. I've always been accused of that. And it's a good thing to be accused of. People say, Oh, I forget. You're the guy who talks to everybody. I mean, there's people at work that nobody can stand and I sit there and eat lunch with them. <laughs> and I'm not yeah, being a, no, a, a guy who is trying. I'm, I'm not a guy who plays every angle or a guy who, who, who it's just I feel, okay, nobody likes the guy, but he hasn't done nothing wrong to me. Just because you don't like him doesn't mean I'm not going to talk to him. And if you don't want to talk to me because of that, well, then you're not really a true friend to me either. So, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate to be like that, and it, it's helped me to get up, you know, pretty far along in life. And I, I got a lot of good friends that, you know, I consider – you know, just true friends because, uh, you know, like we've talked about it, we just try to keep it real and be who we are. And sometimes people don't like that because they want you to do what they're after. And they want you to believe in what, you know, what, what they believe. And if you don't, then you're against them. I tell you what, man, you made me think of a song. I'm going to play it for you. Oh, all right. Play it. I'm going to play two. It's I'm not going to play them right back to back. It's just this particular artist. This is. One of my favorites, man. He's a 90s guy, and uh, he's pretty much, if you're going to make a 90s country, uh, what's the word? Mount, uh, 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 Mount Rushmore. If you're going to make a Mount Rushmore of the 90s country, this guy would probably be on it, I, in, I would think, 85% of the time. His name's Clint Black. Are you up to date with any country singers and shit like that? Or are we going no, go to go? I the know basics? who Clint Black is. But I, I can't tell you the, you know, a handful of songs that he sings. But I mean, Bro. if I hear the song and hear his voice, I'm pretty sure I'll know what it is. But no. So uh, this song in particular? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't name too many country singers. This song in particular is just funny because it's what we've been talking about. It's it's called The Shoes You're Wearing, and it's about uh, just, you know, people. Like, it's a good, it's a good jam. I'm going to play this one. I'm going to play something else just to show you just this dude's range. This is a bad 
fucking dude. So if you if there's anywhere to start, if you want to get down to some nineties country, Clint Black is a great place to start. So okay. I'm gonna give you this just to start with. We're gonna check it out, and then I'm gonna show you something right after that, and just show you where this dude goes after you you break the ice. So check it out. Okay. black and white there's always something in between no matter how long or well you live you don't get anything you don't give still no slate is clean for better or worse anybody can take a look around and find a better man upright no matter how he's fearing no matter what kind of shoes he's So, the shoes he's wearing don't make the man. It's a great, it's a, it's a great point of view. <laughs> you know what? Know, I mean, I can I, hey. I can honestly tell you, I'm not, I'm not saying this for the show, that I really dig that song. I don't think I've ever heard it before, but that is something that I could find myself listening to. And for me, like when I said, I don't know why I want to get into country, it, to me, it's like a certain certain vibe. It's like... I don't think I could drive to work hearing that, but I'd love to be home sitting outside on my balcony. You know, I don't yeah. drink uh, alcohol, but either having a nice Pepsi or, you know, just kind of just because I live upstairs in an apartment complex and we have a balcony out there. And, you know, it's, it's just a view of the rugged city, but at nighttime it looks really good. And I could honestly consider hearing that on a lawn chair and just that relaxing. One. I mean, that was a, that was a really good tune. Yeah. And it, it was pretty heavy. I mean, it's heavy yeah, duty, it was, right? You know, 90s, but it's it it. That could have been written, you know, years and years ago. That, that's a heavy song. I mean, it's subtle, but it's really, really powerful what he's saying. Isn't that crazy? Like how quick he got the message in there? We've all seen enough yeah. wrong and right to know everything's not black and white. It's yeah. it's funny. Like some of these guys, man, they're, they're assassins with their songwriting. And you just, I'm a lyric guy. So I hear these things and I go, whoa, did you hear what he just said? This motherfucker right here. Like it's, it's cool <laughs> to sit back. Now here's another one that I show people a lot of times when I'm dealing with Clint Black, because not only is he a talented singer, he's also a harmonica player, right? Okay. So, he gets down in this song, and then I want you to listen to his vocal range because he does what I consider it's like a whine growl. Like it's something that only some people do when they sing, but it's like a growl, like a like it's you know what I'm saying? As he's singing, he has just this tone that he does. And I want you to listen how he goes from one side to the other here, and he's almost like yodeling. It's it's a very impressive song. So you hear the harmonica and then just listen to this end of the chorus and check out this bad motherfucker right here. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Your mind is made up, you won't even try. You didn't even cry this time. You say that we could 
could never see eye to eye And one of us just must be blind We have our differences, we're still the same See what we won't want to see Let you take a second look and maybe things wouldn't seem the same If you could see what you mean to me Myself in your shoes, maybe then we'd see. And if you put yourself in my shoes, you'd have some sympathy. And if I could only put myself in your shoes, I'd walk right back to me. <laughs> See now that one reminds me of that's the type of music they play like when I go to Lofton and I go to that saltgrass uh restaurant and that it's like Yeah, that's that's what I thought that, you meant when you were saying that. It, hearing yeah. that song is so much different from the first song where you would I can picture the minute you were playing it, I started picturing like being in a bar. And I don't mean a guy depressed, but I'm saying like where you're with with, with, with the lady friend and you're just like, you know, sitting there chatting or, you know, just kind of slow dance. And it just got a really, really, really good vibe. Uh, just a real deep, deep country root vibe. It oh, just yeah. felt so much different from the first song. Clint Black is one of those people who was all over the place in the 90s. Like, although Garth Brooks and Brooks and Dunn and Alan Jackson and people like that were taking the awards home, Clint Black was the guy that was getting nominated. He just wasn't winning. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He just wasn't as popular, but he's definitely like one of those top top five guys. I would have to think he's one of mine. You know, but all through yeah. the '90s, like, and if you listen to '90s country, I know you've heard a Clint Black song. Like those were just, yeah. those were kind of deep cuts. Those two, like he's a like the rain is one that is a very popular song of his. Have you ever heard that? No. It's, you know, like the rain, I have fallen for you, and I know just why you like the rain, always calling for you, I'm calling for you now, just like it rain. (laughs) And then he goes, dude, he hits a, he hits a solo in like the third verse of that song, then he takes it up an octave, he goes, and when the night falls on a bed of days, and we're looking to the skies, and he's just, it's cold. There's thunder in the background and shit and rain. It's it's good stuff. And then he had so, a couple- so was that was that was that your main was that your main music uh, during the nineties? Because I know you have a wide variety, a wide range, just like myself of music that you're into. But I mean, was country like the most dominant yeah. genre you were into in Being, the nineties? Because I mean, for dude. me in the nineties, obviously, I was heavy into grunge. Uh, that was like. Like I said, that was, you know, when, when the Seattle sound came out and, you know, it was Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, just, uh, and, you know, Stone Temple Pilots as far as, you know, uh, alternative. That, I was just heavily into all that music. And then I, I honestly say, like, right when I got married, I kind of just kind of just played my CDs over and over. Because, you know, what I appreciated back in the day was when I bought a CD, you, you couldn't just download a single or get it from the internet. You had to buy the CD. And if I was going to invest, 
you know, fourteen ninety nine, I was gonna listen to the whole thing. And oh so, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I would catch myself hell you know, yeah <laughs> liking songs that nobody else knew because I played the whole CD to get my money's worth. And um, so for me, there were bands that I missed out on. Like I never got into Corn. I never got into System of a Down. I, that was a time when I really wasn't listening to that much music anymore. I never got into Deftones or some of these bands that a lot of people like. And I'm like, I've never heard a single song of them. Uh, you know, and it's, it's funny now because I've been hearing, uh, I think you, you guys are talking about Disturbed. So I've been hearing like some of those, you know, like mid-90s kind of like, I don't even know what, what, what the genre is. It's like a, not a heavy rock. It's like a. It's the rebirth of rock. That's weird... what it is. No, you can call it what it is. No, but, you know, is... but they have all these subgenres like post-hardcore, post mm -hmm. no, <laughs> post rock. It but it's like, they had like one hit wonders. So it was like uh, The Prodigy. They had a Firestarter, uh, uh, Papa Roach with uh, Last Resort. You know, I, what would you call that? Uh, it's like an angry, angry. It's post-grunge. Uh, it's post-grunge because what it is is uh, there's a lot of people that fall in like Puddle of Mud. That's another one I brought up a few episodes oh, man. ago. Oh, hey, man. Hey, you know, the, the Blurry is probably one of my favorite songs. Oh. I was hearing that today, as a matter of fact. Too, but when you guys are talking about that, I think it was with the uh, Papa. Was, what, was, what was your buddy's name? Papa. Was, uh, no, I went. I did puddle of mud. I was talking with uh, I think Hoppy Rogers. I was just talking in general, but like okay, I went okay, through a Hoppy okay. or uh, puddle of mud little track list, you know. And then they had some yeah. jams, dude. Like she fucking hates me. That was a great song, yeah. and it was everywhere. But Wes Scantling couldn't stop doing them drugs, homie. <laughs> and, yeah, and it was the demise. Of the band, and it sucks because I love me some Puddle of Mud. They were fucking nasty yeah. when they came out. Here's yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Do you remember? Do you? Um, so, like, hmm. You said you didn't really get into System of a Down. Are you familiar with Godsmack at all? Because I brought them up in that episode. <laughs> yeah, talking. yeah. Well, that's what, I, that's what, I'm trying to, what I was trying to tell you was uh, for whatever reason, a buddy of mine, it was so funny. You know, I'm a, I'm a big music guy, or should I say, I, I used to be like, heavily where if you would tell me the name of a song i could tell you who sang it mm -hmm. and it was like no confusion like so i had a buddy of mine recently we were hanging out and uh he he said hey you want to go with me to do a beer run because i don't drink i said sure i'll drive you can go buy your beer whatever and he says hey can you fire up some tunes in your car i said yeah he says i want to hear that song with uh lincoln park and that girl and and i said what song are you talking about well yeah it's a lincoln park song with with that girl with the e and that's all he told me. And right away, I said, "You're talking about Evanescence. Evanescence that's not Lincoln Park. That's that's yeah. Paul from Twelve Stones. And that's that's from the Daredevil soundtrack." And he says, "Wake me up." No, no, that's, that, that's that's the guy. That's the guy from Lincoln Park. I said, "No, it's not." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, bring me to life. I, I put it on for him. He Wake says, "I up. always thought Wake it was Lincoln Park." And because right. we yeah. we played that song, I have Spotify, and then it suggested like I think it played a I played a Godsmack song. And so he said, oh, hey, can you get Voodoo? Can you get, uh, you know, this song? Then I just started making a mix. And that's when I put, like, Papa Roach and uh, Trapped mm. uh, with Headstrong. Uh, you know, all those, like, songs that kind of kind of sound the same. <laughs> it kind of had maybe one or two songs. But, man, there's some pretty good stuff there. You know, it's, and it's funny because it's not heavy enough where it's scary. It's right in the middle. It's a little heavier than the grunge. But it's not, like, you know, as hard as Metallica or, you know, anything. Like, it's just... I don't know. Right. It, it's, it's not it's quite. A, it's, uh, it's not quite Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you, and you what. know what's funny is for me. For me, growing up, like I've told you before, you know, my, my past. I grew up in church. You know, I feel I grew up with the right balance. I wasn't this kid who, 
you know, everything was the devil and everything was, you know, but I did have a lot of people who were like that. And it's so funny how, you know, when you're a kid and there, there was older people that would say, oh, you know, KISS stands for knights and Satan service. And, and you yeah, think, yeah. man, they must be a demonic group. When I started liking KISS, I thought they were the most corniest bubblegum music uh-huh. you could ever listen to. And I'm thinking, who in the hell would ever believe that these guys were, were devil worshippers? Because Gene Simmons named himself Demon and because he spits out blood. I'm sorry. But if you listen to Christine 16, that ain't scaring nobody. <laughs> I Shit. have, you know, Kiss Me the Animal Let me tell you what, Art, I can show the you. The VHS, and it's like, there is nothing in there, nothing that is diabolical or satanic. And, you know, I, I was actually fortunate enough to see Kiss, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago when they did, like, their reunion tour. I got to see uh, Page and Plant. Uh, so, you know, I got into a lot of groups, you know, from my dad and then my friends. When I had my first job, you know, they, they loved Led Zeppelin. I really wasn't into Led Zeppelin at the time. And, you know, Rod and Denise kind of have their uh, their differences on that. And they say, well, you know, they're plagiarists. And I always feel if they can take something to make it better, then more power to them. And I know they may, uh, may have borrowed from people or they may have stole ideas. I really don't care. I don't think anybody can play as good as, as Jimmy, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jimmy Page. And, it, I mean, he perfected it, you know. And there's a lot of groups that have done that. And Oasis was one who was heavily known for that. They would literally take song lyrics and make it their own song, but they did it better and they made the money off of it. So, you know, call it what you will. But I've always had a, a huge appreciation for Led Zeppelin and, uh, you know, some of these bands. But what's amazing to me, my brother was really heavily into Sabbath. I liked them. It really wasn't my favorite. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about it, that was the 60s. I mean, they were just they were so far ahead out. of their time. Yeah. I mean, Geezer Butler, my goodness. It's like, <laughs> how can you be that damn good on a guitar in the 60s? Yeah. Like, it's unreal to me. It's just, it's unreal, you know? And now I look at, we talked about the music that's out there now, and, and I don't want to say, well, it's just because I'm getting old, but it's literally crap. I mean, this mumble rap that they have, it, it's just so <laughs> Bro, ridiculous. Bro, don't so even stupid. fucking get me started. It, it, it's so rap. stupid no. to me. <laughs> I'd rather just listen to my, my, my playlist on my phone. I, I, I can't do it. I can't. It's just... It has no content at all, uh, you know. I mean, it, it's sad when I when I, I'd rather listen to you know some corny rap, like, you. you know, whatever than that. It's just horrible, hey, horrible, horrible music. I got a song for you right here. This is a throwback jam, and uh, we're talking about how people used to work hard at it. Okay, now rap music is soft. Now I'm gonna introduce you. you you know who Waylon Jennings is, obviously. Yes, I do. Okay. So this song in particular is one of my favorites just to kind of throw at people because this is some of the coldest shit I think I've ever heard in a song. And it's about murder and, and all kinds of crazy shit. And you can't usually get away with that in a country song. But the way he paints this, it's okay. Like, it, it's weird when you find a song like that when you're like, this motherfucker is talking about murdering this bitch. But it's mm-hmm. okay because the way he sets it up, you're just like, all right, I'm going to go along with it. 
Not like rap music where you're like, and then I killed a hoe. Like it's not the same thing because you can't say that. You have to you have to be yeah. poetic with it. Check this shit out, man. This is gonna blow your mind. This is better than Johnny Cash doing I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Like that's cold. And and, and you know what's funny? I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I, I think Rod said I was one of the only people he's ever met that I cannot stand Johnny Cash. I just do not like him. And to oh. me, I think it's an acquired taste and it's something that I just do not care for. I, I just think he has a horrible voice, and Rudy. I know I appreciate. I, I watch Rudy. Rudy walk the line, and I I can appreciate that, but I just cannot stand the man. <sighs> well, that's the end of the episode, <laughs> Rudy. Is, no, it, is, is this where, where the podcast <laughs> is going to ride? <laughs> the person you have called is no longer in service. Please call. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the part we're going to get edited Listen, out? No, no, no. It's cool, man. I get it. It, it. Some of it's rough, dude. And the thing is, he's from Arkansas. I would be fucked off if I wouldn't at least be a fan. Oh, and you know, I, I see, I, I didn't know that. Did I, you I know, really that, didn't know uh, that you just brought up Evan Essence? Did you know that Amy Lee's from Arkansas? No, I did not. Yeah, so that's two right there. I, it hurt me when they finally... She got the big head, bro, and they went away. But shit, anywho, look. This fucking song is Waylon Jennings. This is like... I think, I don't know when it was written. I believe like the 80s. So he was a grown man and writing songs like this at the time. So check this shit out, dude. It's going to blow your mind. She was a flower for the taking. Beauty cut just like a knife He was a banker from Macon Swore to love her all his life He bought her a mansion on a mountain With a formal garden and a lot of land But paradise became her prison that Georgia banker was a jealous man. Here it comes. Every time you talk about her, you can see the fire in his eyes. You'd say, I would walk through hell on Sunday to keep my rose in paradise. Not bad. Hired a man to tend the garden. Keep an eye on her while he was gone. Uh huh. And then what happened? Some <laughs> say they ran away together. Some say that gardener left alone. Now the banker is an old man. That mansion's crumbling down. All day and stares at the garden Not a trace of her was ever found Every time he talks about her You can see the fire in his eyes He says, I would walk through hell on Sunday To keep my rose in paradise now there's a rose out in the garden. Yeah, there is. 
Its beauty cuts just like a knife Some say it even grows in the wintertime And blooms in the dead of the night <laughs> He killed the shit out of that bitch And put her in the garden <laughs> yeah, he did. Shame on you, Waylon Jennings. You are a bad man. <laughs> man, but you know, I mean, even without the lyrics, that that song, see, that kind of country right there, I, I can literally picture Jody B in the back of a, a Ford pickup truck, just laid out, looking at the stars with the cold brewski in his hand. I mean, that that is just some good music right there. See that that's really. That's why I needed to be on the podcast to be able to have you uh, steer me in the right direction. That's some good stuff right there. I mean, even before he started singing, I could just really dig just the music. That's just, it's almost like the Stevie Ray Vaughan of country. It's like so just fluid. Just, bro. It just flows and flows and flows. Waylon, Waylon Jennings is, it's funny because you don't like Johnny Cash, and I get that. It's probably because of his voice. Like it, can you it say? Is. Can you, it, it have is you heard? Have you That's heard exactly other, why I like him. Like, have you heard Johnny Cash songs that maybe you like the words, but you just didn't like him singing them? Not no, a lot of no, people you know, cover and, and, Johnny Cash songs. That's my fault. You know, is that so. I, I won't even give it a chance. I mean, I remember yeah. when we used to work when I used to work graveyard. A buddy of mine was in love with Johnny Cash, and he played the tape over, and I would just walk in the office, do my paperwork as soon as I could, and just get out of there. And I and he loved it, and he was all oh, listen to the words. I, said, I just can't stand the guy's voice, you know. And it, again, that's just being shallow on 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 my end. I just I don't want to even give it a chance. Like for a lot of years, when I grew up in, in high school, I graduated in '93. I felt everyone liked the Doors just because of the shirts, and it was cool to wear a Jim Morrison shirt. So I didn't like the Doors. I couldn't stand the Doors. And uh, you know, obviously, once I got older and I got into the classic rock, uh, you know, on my own, and I realized, man, what the heck was I missing out on just because. Everybody liked it, you know, and I, I just wanted to be a rebel. And I don't want to like that. But, you know, I didn't like Jim Morrison for a long time. You know, all the girls in high school wanted to wear the T-shirt and, oh, my God, you know, using the Forever 27 Club and this, that, blah, blah, blah. Like, shut up. Like, but once you start listening to stuff, you oh, wow. You know, so I think maybe if I sat down and it's really listened to it, because I've heard everyone who likes Johnny Cash Listen. really just, you know, talk so deep here's, about it. But about him and, and his work, I just, for me... It's just the initial, his his voice is just like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just too much for me. It's an and like acquired I said, taste. It's an acquired taste. Yeah. And it's something that I've never taken the time to acquire. I'm like, no. eh, you know, I mean, and I've, I've heard that about a lot of people. Like, oh, well, this guy sounds really whiny. Yeah. You know, like my younger brother, he likes a lot of, uh, uh, I think it's called pop punk, because it's not really punk rock, it's, it's poppy. And I, I love those songs, A, because they remind me of my brother, but I can get when people say, he sounds like a whiny teenager, that guy that's singing. And I'm like, no, he's he's talking about this. And it's like, yeah, it's it's really whiny. And I'm like, well, maybe it is. But I guess to me, I, I just it just takes me to a place. I call it a. It reminds me of my brother, and b. I just I just like it. It's poppy, but it's punk. So you know, I, I can kind of get, you know, even for me being a big pro jam fan, a lot of people didn't like Eddie Vedder. They're like. He has a weird voice. Of, you know, yeah. anybody can People, sing like hey, that. Everybody I, go, well, I don't think anybody can sing like that. You know, <laughs> and so I guess it's just you know, it, it it is an acquired taste, and I may have to. Uh, you know, I tell you what, have the right person show me Johnny Cash. I think this is what I'm going to do, Rudy. I'm going to appeal to you in a way that I think is going to is going to do it. 
So you can you can search this out yourself because the one good thing about one Mr. Johnny Cash is his catalog is so thick. How thick mm-hmm. is it? You could literally <laughs> find something in there that you enjoy. I promise. You just have to look. And the deal is he it's like the Beatles. You know, like it's a broad statement to be like, I fucking hate the beat to say I hate the Beatles. It's like you may not like them, but at some point there's a Beatles song that you have to enjoy. Like I know Denise says that shit all the time, but it's like, come on, bro. <laughs> there's a fucking song in there somewhere that you have to enjoy. You can't just hate all the fucking Beatles. It's the Beatles. Like, there's got to be one. Yeah. So Johnny Cash is yeah. like that, dude. He's been, you know, before he died, he had like 40 or 50 years. So the one thing that I think that's going to appeal to you personally, I-, I know that you're religious. So the thing is, is he grew up singing hymns. And a lot of his older stuff, bro, when he got to like grown man age so like in his 40s because you know he was wiling out when he was a kid he was on all them pills and shit and dude was acting crazy yeah so when he hit the latter years of his life he really started to revert back into that gospel shit because june carter his wife that's where she had her bread was buttered you know what i'm saying like her parents were popular uh like church singing people that's kind of a weird thing like performers they were church performers so, you know, he always had his feet kind of rooted in gospel. So check this out. This is something that I found recently. Um, you know, he's had probably eight CDs released since he died. Just stuff that yeah, people I was gonna found. Say, I think prior to just what did he have? Probably about a good 30 CDs? I and mean, I know least, he has a ton of music. At least. And right before he, he died, man, he put out that America or started working on that America CD, you know, that all that God's going to cut you down and Rusty Cage and shit like that. And it was it was intense, man. Like the Hurt video. I told Rod, if you've never watched the Hurt video of Johnny Cash singing the Nine Inch Nail song Hurt, as a man, you need to understand two things. It's very important that you see it if you have any kind of, you know, respect or admiration for Johnny Cash, because I think it is a representation of his life in a music video. It's, dude, it's intense. It's heavy. But if you can watch that video and not shed one tear, then you do not have a soul. Like, it is the most, like, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful video. It's him taking on that song and making it his own. I mean, you can listen to his version of it. It doesn't make, it's not the same thing. If you watch the video on YouTube, just Johnny Cash, Hurt, put that shit full screen, turn it up all the way and sit there and try not to shed a tear for that man. <laughs> it's, it's hard. I, I cry when I hear him sing it. I'm just like, damn. Because yeah. they were he was in the process of recording that song when his wife died. So there's footage of her, like legit footage of her right before she died. Like at the end of it, he's standing there and he's playing the piano and it's all black and white and he's just pounding out that and you could have it all, you know. And yeah. you see her standing. But see, in but, the see but see, that's that, that that's unfair, man. You're, you're hitting me right where it hurts. Now you're gonna make me have to like the guy. <laughs> no, and hey, I mean, you're, if, you, if you're gonna bro. paint the picture that way, of course I'm gonna have to see it and be like, 
How can you not like that? You know what I'm saying? It's like I mean, I'm talking about. I can't get down with it's Ring of Fire. Like that's two totally different things going to what you're describing and him going through that and showing footage of his wife. I mean, of course that's going to hit me right, right, right in the, right in the jugular. I'm going to be like, Oh, it's, it's going to hit me right in the field. I'm going to be like, Oh, wow, why'd you do this to hey. me? Uh, may, maybe I'll ease my way in that way. I mean, yeah, yeah. to me, I, I like music. And so if it's good, it's good. Well, uh, you know, uh, so I, I, I may, you may be able to make your appeal that way. As far as, you know, that's the one thing I wanted to share with you too, is that, when you brought up, you know, well, maybe because if you're a religious guy, you're like this. That's the one thing that I can honestly say I've never been swayed by. Like, I won't like a guy because he's known for being religious or his this song is religious. And, and that's the misconception people have. Like, hey, I got a friend. She's nice. She's a Christian like you. You should date her. I'm like, no, she's, I'm not attracted to her. <laughs> yeah, Just because yeah. she no, likes I what you. I like doesn't mean <laughs> that's like, you know, that's like saying, hey, well, you like, you know, right. uh, uh, doing you like playing, playing uh, basketball. So does she like. Okay, well that's fine, but I don't find her attractive. And so, you know, I, I I've I would, I've never been, I guess I don't want to say shallow, but to be like, oh well, I'll listen to his Christian music. Like I'm not that type of person. I'm just a dude who likes music. You know, what I mean, yeah. there's songs that I like that people are like, how can you listen to that? I'm like, I just like it. I dig it. You know, <laughs> obviously, you know, I'm not listening to to devil worshiping music, but I'm saying I listen to some, to some rugged stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'm talking no. about some crazy things, and it's just, I just just good music. You know what I mean? But uh. But I mean, I, I think what you're describing with that hurt video, I mean, because I like the Nine Inch Nails song, you know, and and even that song's kind of rough on its own. If you if he, if he can even make it even more deeper and have and you, have that. So you haven't feeling. heard Johnny Cash's hurt? No, I've never, I remember when he did that album because I remember laughing thinking he did Rusty Cage, and I was like, how's oh, that gonna work? Dude, he did like a bunch of those like nineties. Uh, his fucking like, Rusty Cage. Hits, did you know that Chris Cornell gave the final approval and said that he liked his better than his? <laughs> no, I did not. He sure did, and I have <laughs> but, to agree but with him, dude. But it does have the same riffs, though. Bro. You know, that, 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 op- that opening is probably one of my favorite well, the, all-time riffs. The I mean, breakdown. I, I love it. It's, it's just, no, it's just hey. on Rusty Cage. It's just a double guitar. The <laughs> I mean, that I just I love that. that a, and then just the way the drums kick in, I, I love that song. So I don't know how... How he did his version, you know, with the. So you've never the, heard uh, it. I've never heard that. I, I remember when that album oh, came out. Oh, I was shit. laughing about it, but I've never heard it. I mean, it's easy for me to, you know. No, 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 no. We're gonna do to this. Type it in, Rudy. We're gonna do this right no, fucking no, now. No. <laughs> oh my god. You know okay. I knew you were gonna do that. No, we don't have to do all that. No, we don't have to go that route. No, no, because no, no, it's not no, gonna no. sound the same. I need no. to hear it in stereo. You know, this I have is, a good system here. You know, I have a nice setup here. If we hear it here, I'm not going to appreciate it as much. And and then you're gonna you're gonna make me want to not listen to it later. So we're gonna oh, save shit. that because if I listen to it right now, I'm gonna be like, no. Come on, bro. No, give me like, no, no, no. give me no. <laughs> I know. Give me give, what I want to do, I want to do what you said. I want to introduce myself first with that hurt uh, YouTube video, and I from there I'm gonna ease my way into the other stuff. So we'll we'll, we'll play that okay, round because look, I already know is, it. if I hear it now. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. You know. Uh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Check it out. Listen, I'm telling you with 100% certainty, you will enjoy this version of the song. But what I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna play the whole thing. Just let me play the breakdown. Let me play the okay. part all that right, Chris right. Cornell himself we'll said. That. that motherfucker right there took my song. 
Like that's his now. <laughs> Check it out. And like I said, I love Chris Cornell. He's one of my favorite singers. So just Oh yeah, I love Chris Cornell too. Now I may have to jump around just a second, so bear with me. I'm gonna try to get to a spot and I'm gonna pause it and then we're gonna go, all right, ready? <laughs> okay. Go. All right. Okay. That's fine. I'll, I'll I'll just talk in the meanwhile. I was I know you said you had you were never able to see uh Soundgarden in concert. I, I didn't go to a full blown concert, but I was able to see Chris Cornell with Soundgarden at the Jimmy Kimmel uh show. So I was glad to see that before he passed. Okay, so check this out. His version is just on a guitar. There is no intro. So I understand that. Okay. Rusty Cage is one of my favorites. So with that's awesome. Okay. His is acoustic with just a guitar. And it's Okay. Doom 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 and it, that's his beat, right? <laughs> you wired me awake and hit me with a hand of broken nails. Like that's him, okay? <laughs> So he gets to the first chorus line and it's just kind of crunchy. I'm going to break. I'm going to break my rusty cage. Okay. Break. Second verse. Too steep, you know, too tired to burn diesel burning dinosaur bones. And he's doing that. So we're going to pass that part, pass the second round of I'm going to break. So we're at just right. We're right at the bridge. Bam. Okay. Here goes. When the forest burns along the road Like God's eyes in my headlights When the dogs are looking for their bones And it's raining ice picks on your steel shore I'm gonna break my I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Oh my goodness <laughs> I'm so happy right but now. But see, but see, I, I think someone who 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 likes Johnny Cash a lot would be like really intrigued by that and be like, "Wow, that is just like so awesome." And for someone like myself, I didn't hate it, but because I'm a heavy Chris Cornell fan, right. I'm like, "Hey, this guy's not." Thing-. And it, it's unfair to say he's trying to sound like him, or you know, obviously he's making the song his own, so that that's hard enough in itself. You got to appreciate that. Yeah. But I'm like, hey, you know, you're ruining my hero song. Where to you, you you're like, wow, bitch. like this guy is just making it his own and owning it, and to the point where Chris Cornell is giving them, you know, props. So for me, I'm kind of like, that's, that's that's not my beloved Rusty Cage, though. <laughs> that's true. No, I understand that too, and I really do like that intro. Like it gets you pumped. Yeah, a special kind of pump. It's like it's like that. it's like for me. I don't know how you feel about it, but I was never heavily into Rage Against the Machine. So when when Soundgarden turned into Audio Slave, to me. It was like Soundgarden on steroids. It was like, this is freaking amazing. And for Rage fans, they were like, eh, well, it's not Rage, and Chris Cornell isn't Zach, so it's all right. you know. And yeah. I was like, I loved every minute of it. I was like, this is I fantastic. I got all three albums, man. I am I am no slouch. I love all that shit. It's beautiful. Yeah, I well, put I was, it on I repeat. Saying, you were getting that ready. My, my cousin had actually uh, told me one time, hey, we're going to go uh, to Jimmy Kimmel. 
right here, and uh, Soundgarden's going to be there. They only did, I think, four songs. It was with the last album that they had, but they they opened up with Rusty Cage and uh, oh, Matt, or maybe it was like the third or the fourth song they did, but that was just amazing. You know, it, it was, I was so glad I got to witness that, and I, and I don't know, it was three, four years ago. My camera phone was a little older, but I still, we were close enough where I got some really nice pics where it looks like, you know, you'd see it in a magazine. We were just that close, and it was just, it was amazing for me to see that and experience that. That was something that, even though it wasn't a full-blown concert, I was like, man, this is this dude is just freaking amazing. I mean, his voice is just, you know, yeah, it's just unreal. I mean, the, that what does he have? That five octave, you know, voice of his. It was just, you know, just amazing. He's one of those people. Like, no matter when you hear how much you know, it's him. You know, yeah. I like Audio Slave. It's probably one of my favorite renditions of that. Soundgarden's okay. And don't get me wrong, like I, I do appreciate a lot of that catalog, but I, Audio Slave's awesome. Tom Morello and, and yeah. Chris Cornell together, like the the first album, just the straight up Audio Slave album. That whole shit, it's like Pearl Jam ten. Like you put it in the car, yeah. just put it in. It's good. You just bam, yeah. set it off. Fucking show me how to live, Cochise. Yeah. The last remaining oh, Cochise exploded. The, the video for Cochise is just unreal, too, with the fireworks and everything. I mean, that's, that's a bad video. Yeah. 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 That's, oh, yeah. that's so Amazing. good. I love it. I like Show Me How to Live. I think that's actually probably, I like that yeah. one a little better than Cochise. You know? It's it's a little bit harder to get it, you know, later on with all the little crazy vocalizations when he's all like, show me how to live. That whole shit at the end is kind of nuts. But, yeah. Uh, I Am the Highways on that album. That's one of my favorite songs. I think I that was how I found out that he was doing solo shows. Like, the first time I heard him do... Uh, anything from like unplugged in Sweden was I am the highway. And I was like, holy balls. What else is he doing solo these days? You know, just performing yeah. on stage. And oh man, so many of these bootleg albums that I've pulled down of Chris Cornell. Like, I think his version of Thank You, the Led Zeppelin song, is probably the one of the best versions of any Led Zeppelin song I've heard. I like it better than Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. You know? Really? Yeah, you know, you know what? It's funny. It's rare. But that does happen every now and again. I've heard certain people who, who sing certain songs, and I'm like, you know, obviously, yeah, you, you, you appreciate the original, but it's just like, man, yeah. they've done such a great job with that rendition of, of, of that song that I just well, there's I care two. to hear that more. In that Unplugged in Sweden set, there's two specifically that I heard, and it was Billie Jean when he did the Michael Jackson cover, and then also that uh, Thank You, the Led Zeppelin cover. Now, have you heard? Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Cornell did uh, Billy Jean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're gonna have to. I, I, no, no, no. We're gonna I'm gonna have, have to, to look that, that up because I I can't imagine. I mean, oh. like I like a lot of these, you know, like I said, uh, punk pop bands, and I, there was one, a band, Pierce the Veil, that I liked. They did uh, Billy Jean, and I was like, as much as I liked them, I go, it's just. I know they made it their own. I just don't like it. It's like how can you know? There's just certain. I mean, Michael was a bad dude. You know, yeah, he was weird and he was out there, but I mean that. Dude oh was, man, okay. He so, was another guy. Like I mean, so, people sorry. say, oh, I don't like Michael Jackson. I mean, <laughs> he was a bad, bad, bad man. Sir. I mean, bad dude. So uh, I've never heard that. Um, okay, I, I can imagine him doing thank you. I mean, with his because I mean 
I Rob, love Robert that song. Kind of had that, that voice, kind of like you know, kind of raspy at times too. So I can imagine he did a really good, you know, uh, for for that song. All of them are acoustic, so it's just him and a guitar. So with "Thank You," it's you know, kind of really woman, heavy. I give you my heart. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. woman, nothing more. The one they were playing a lot, right? Right when he when he passed, oh, they so they good. kept they kept playing. Uh, uh, nothing compares to you. I guess he was doing the uh, uh, Sinead O'Connor yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. They're playing and th- that one. Sound all right too? Because I mean, I never liked her because she was weird with her bald head and everything. But it was a good song. But I just thought she was kind of kind of weird. Like you know, like, who the hell? Like with this bald head, just look too weird. Like and you're talking about the early '90s, you know, or, or, or you know, yeah, early '90s, late '80s. Like what the hell's wrong with your head? But um, uh. But he did a really good. I like that. You know, uh, it's funny too because even talking a whole different genre of music, when Queen Latifah started doing her raps, her songs, she had did an, an oldie, uh, "Hello Stranger," and I, I have a lot of friends who, you know, they're they're homeboys, they're you know gangsters, and they actually like that version. I don't want to say better than the original version, but they're like, "Hey man, Queen Latifah can throw down on this song." I go, "Yeah, you know, I thought it was just me." I go, "But she kind of brings some flavor to that. Like it's just like." Hey, like you know, she has her little nice voice. I said, "Damn, yeah. man, you know." So it, it is a, a, a nice surprise when you do find that. And obviously, if you're a diehard, diehard Chris Cornell fan, Soundgarden fan, you're gonna say no, no, you know. But if you're just open to, you know, appreciate music, then sure, you're gonna be like, "Well," because I mean, that that'd be two of some of my favorite bands would be, you know, uh, Zeppelin and uh, you know Soundgarden or Chris yeah. Cornell, you know. So. I'd I'd really be like wow you know he's done some other stuff too some some other uh, I think Led Zeppelin I can't think of them right at this moment but I, I'm pretty sure there's at least one or two more in there some Beatles songs you know uh, hide your love away is a great hey you've got to hide your love away and it's it's good shit you know but check all right so. Any other Chris Cornell fan that already has heard this song knows exactly the kind of weight that I'm just fitting to drop on your dome right now. So <laughs> this is this is the Billie Jean cover. This shit is nasty. So just I'm I'm probably gonna play a little bit of this. So bro, okay. you brace yourself, okay? Okay. Queen from a movie screen I said don't mind But what do you mean I am the one Who would dance On the floor and around She said I am the one Who would dance On the floor And around She said her name Billie Jean And she caused a scene And all her heads turned with eyes That dreamed being the one Who would dance on the floor And around People always told me Be careful what you do Don't go around Breaking young girls' hearts 
mama always told me, be careful who you love, careful what you do before the lie, lie becomes the truth. Forty days and forty nights, the law was on her side. Who can stand when she's in demand? Her schemes and her plans. 'Cause we danced on the floor and around. So take my strong advice. Remember to always think twice. Do think twice. Fitting to take it up a notch. She told my baby that we danced till three, and she looked at me. She showed a photo. My baby cried. His eyes were like mine. 'Cause we danced on the floor and around. People always told me, be careful what you do. Don't go around breaking young girls' hearts. Just stood right by me. Smell of sweet perfume. This happened much too soon. She called me to a room. So that's what got me into the unplugged Sweden set. Like it was that, and I am the highway. Those two songs. I was like, what the, what the fuck? He's been playing by himself with just a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and I found this whole couple albums of him doing this shit, and it's it's impressive. I love it. Yeah, I'm a huge. Like I said, I got a wide variety of uh, music. I'm a huge, huge Michael Jackson uh, fan. Uh, and it's funny that we bring him up because I just recently, yesterday, even though I've had the DVD, I downloaded the the Blu-ray uh, to watch This Is It, and you know I was heavily been playing uh, MJ. I think somebody shared a picture on Facebook and you know you kind of you get that hey I remember that song and so I mean I I mean obviously growing up in the 80s I mean Michael Jackson was just you know larger than life so but the funny thing for me is that the, I think because I like both artists so much that I see them as two totally totally different songs that song oh, to yeah. me was haunting it was so right. good it was it had that haunting sort of pain that it, it sound nothing like The first, the first song, even though it's not super poppy, no, no. Uh, you know, it, it, it kind of had that, dude, dude. The, the original song obviously has that, that vibe and, you know, the moonwalk, but this well, was a, just it's like a creepy if, song, you know, if, if, it's, if, if, it's if, supposed if, to be a little have, bit haunting. <laughs> I, I think it, it, it was a type of song that if he never would have said the chorus, I don't think I would have knew it was, it was Billie Jean. Right. Because it, it's just so, you're just so. Mm-hmm on edge listening to his every word especially when he first opens up it's just like so oh, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's like he's just opening up his soul to you and you're just like my god this okay. guy is just tormented by this person it's like so for me i mean that was 
fantastic. It's like, <laughs> like I said, if he would have never said Billie Jean, I would have been like, man, what, what Chris Cornell song is that? that sounds and so sad. obviously I would have looked at the lyrics and been like, wait a minute, that's Michael Jackson. I love it. See, man. for me, I, I appreciate that. I mean, maybe I'm being unfair here, but I appreciate that more than Rusty Cage by Johnny Cash. But again, yeah, that yeah, could yeah, be obviously. because, because Soundgarden's version was so beloved to me. Well, so was Billie Jean, but it's just so gut wrenching when he when he's singing. It's just, right. I mean, that's you feel that's bad amazing for when him. an artist can do that. That's really amazing when an artist can take a song like that, and he's not obviously not trying to make a, 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 a remake or a duplicate. It's just his spin. I mean, and to make to make a song sound so much different is just truly, you know, fantastic. And sometimes you hear acoustic version, and it's just like it's just a slowed down boring version of a regular song but i mean that was like wow that that was awesome i <laughs> you know happy. what i i never heard that and i never would have heard it if you wouldn't have played it that is really awesome i'm gonna have to you know download that and get into that there is uh, an album it's called uh unplugged in sweden and then also songbook okay. that was a uh, an album that came out a few years ago it was songbook chris cornell and it's it's like 12 of his you know, more popular songs between Audio Slave, Soundgarden. And it's just some of those live cuts are so awesome, man, just to sit there and listen to him. And that's why it sucks because Rod and Denise said that they saw a, a, just a solo show of him playing his guitar and that it wasn't that great. I mean, it was okay, but they were just like, he just kind of, you know, sat there. So maybe it was late in the process that they saw it. I, so it could, it could. This be, was early. This was when he first started doing it. So these CDs we we, we like great. a lot of the same music, but I don't think they're he- they were ever heavy in Soundgarden. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. They've think said so. that too. I mean, they're more Pearl Jam. So I, I get it. Yeah, I kind of get that vibe from them that they they've never really been like heavy into uh, Soundgarden at all. Right. Because. Uh, I think I've mentioned like certain songs and where I was like, Oh, I think I know that song. Well, but if you listen to, like, if you listen to audio slave and you listen to that episode I did with, with Papa Wright a few episodes ago, we were talking about audio slave and Tom Morello and how he is kind of the driving force of that band. Chris Cornell is a badass. Tom Morello is audio slave. It just kind of is what it is. But the deal yeah. is we were saying, if you really want to know what of those songs are the good songs, take the music away. You know, yeah. and so there are about five or six songs that Cornell takes from Audio Slave in in those Unplugged in Sweden and the songbook sets that he he really does an awesome job just playing the guitar and singing his song. Like a Stone is one of them, Audio Slave song. Yeah, you know, in yeah. your house, and he's just yeah. playing the guitar. Yeah. Um, original Fire. Fire is dead and gone, and he just starts playing the shit out of his guitar. I think that that version of "Doesn't Remind Me" is probably my favorite version of that song because he changes it up. Obviously, the music is different, so it's "I Walk Streets of Japan Till I Get Lost" because doesn't remind me of anything and. Things that I love, things that I lost, things I held sacred that I've dropped. I won't learn no more, you can bet. Don't want to learn what I need to forget. And he starts, doo, 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 doo. yeah, doo, 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 
do, do, do. It is awesome, man. So you get a hand on sound book or song book, excuse me. That's the one. If you like that, it's a whole album of him doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to look into that for sure. That, I, I have lots of ways to, to you know, I have the, the paid version to get music. I have, you know, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music. And then I also have my old uh, Android phone that has torrents where I just download everything for free as well. So old trust. They, oh, and I have, the, you know, the YouTube converter where... I can take any song on YouTube and make it an MP3 file. So there, there's yeah. always ways for me to get whatever music I want. But the album you know, that, that's just, and that's just an, an amazing, you know, uh, that when when artists can do that, you know. But uh, I don't want to bore everybody just talking about Chris Cornell, even though right. as much as I appreciate that. <laughs> what I did want to ask you about was I was really intrigued. Like I said, when I listened to. Uh... All right. So that was my conversation with Rudy. I said, I don't have a lot to say. I don't feel all that great. But uh, that last little go around with, with the Cornell song was pretty fun, man. Because uh, I remember the first time I heard that shit. And I remember how excited I got. So I hope that I can. Oh, excuse me, shit. I could bring that same level of excitement to another person. That just makes me happy. So hopefully it's not too annoying. I talk about Chris Cornell a lot. He's my favorite. Go fuck yourself. Um, I'm also going to close with the Cornell song. You know, I mentioned it uh, before I actually played the Billie Jean song. This is a cover of uh, Led Zeppelin's uh, Thank You. And honestly, I almost had this song played at my wedding. Like, I love it. It makes me think of my wife. It's a beautiful song. So, just know, uh, you know, we'll have a whole whole nother episode next week where we'll get into some deeper stuff and uh it'll be just as just as fun you know i enjoyed having rudy i i hope he enjoyed being here and uh you know i'm looking forward to it i love meeting new people and it's it's my favorite part of doing the podcast is you know getting to just sit down and talk shit with somebody i don't even know but anyway I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here. You motherfuckers have a wonderful weekend. And I'll catch your ass next week with part two of Rudy. <laughs> it's funny because I'm pretty sure I saw his last name. But I don't know if he wants me to say his last name. He said it once, but it's kind of weird the internet's like that. Like You like a little bit of anonymity. So we're just going to leave it at Rudy. <laughs> Y'all take it easy. And, uh, yeah, come back next week. Get the other half, motherfucker.
kind of woman Nothing more Little drops of rain Whispers of the pain Tears and love lost in the days gone by Our love is strong With you there is no Inspiration is what you are to me Appreciate it. I can't wait to come back and play a proper concert here. You guys have been great. Thank you.